It should be obvious that we cannot solve a crisis with the same methods that got us into it in the first place. This is a last chance saloon. Because if we don't really take the decisions that are vital now, it's going to be almost impossible to catch up. We will end the moratorium on extracting our huge reserves of shale, which could get gas flowing as soon as six months. If unprecedented changes are not made and made soon, there will be irreversible damage to the planet. Zero carbon east all. Hello and welcome to Zero Carbonista Series 4, Fool's Gold. I'm Ian Collins and this is the UK's number one environment-based podcast. If it's green, it's in. Another week of lies and obfuscation and with a healthy dose of tax evasion thrown in too. Our government never let us down. Let's speak to our man in the mastermind chair. He's the green entrepreneur and environmentalist, Dale Vince. Afternoon to you, Dale. Yeah, afternoon, Ian. How's things? All right, yeah. Are you still... um? Because last time we spoke, of course, on the last episode, you were just getting ready to leg it to go and meet Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yes, I was, wasn't I? And I did actually meet him this time. He Last time he was a no-show last summer. This time he wasn't. He was there. And, you know, we had a great time, actually. There was a room full of maybe, I don't know, 100 people, I'm going to say. There was a dinner, a charity auction. It was in Austria, which is a beautiful place, a really kind of traditional old hotel. He's a big fan of schnitzels, apparently, which is a bit of a shame, being that it's all about cow, baby cow abuse and and it's not very good for the climate either, but well, we'll have to forgive him that, Did I guess. Did you hit him? <laughs> yeah, I just threatened him. <laughs> I said, come on, Arnie, get your shit together, man. Yeah. You can't yeah. campaign for fighting With the climate the crisis while you're eating schnitzels. Yeah. But, uh, he said, uh, okay, okay, I'm listening, Dale. <laughs> <laughs> was that a good one? <laughs> it, was, it was good. There was a lilt of kind of Glasgow in there as well, which, which yes. is no bad thing, frankly, because I think if you didn't know Arnold Schwarzenegger's nationality, you might say, yeah, that guy's from the east end of Glasgow. <laughs> I've been hanging out with Big Dunk today, so that explains why I've got a little bit of Scotland in my accent. Yeah, we'll come on to that in a second. But you did present Arnie with a diamond as well. Oh, yeah. Um, a signet ring where, with a diamond in it, which went into the... Well, there was two, actually. One went in the charity auction, and somebody bought it for 20 grand. And the other one, wow. he, he stuck on and he said, I love it. Fantastic. I'm going to give up the accents. and I'll work another. Yeah. Is he going to come and join us on the podcast? That's well... Well, that would be good, but I know I don't think so. He's hyper busy. Um, the speed at which they whizzed people through for photographs with him on stage was quite, uh, well, quite factory farm-like, really. Yeah, yeah. But well, you did well for your session with him then. Somewhere he's making a podcast telling everybody that he met Dale Vince. So. <laughs> That's right. He probably is. He's yeah. saying the speed with which people had their <laughs> photographs taken with Dale. Uh, my actually might have got more no, glass than you. <laughs> yours uh, is worse. Let's both stop. Dale Vince, I presume. <laughs> okay, that's, that's Bond villain right there. That's the one. That is the one. But it was uh, it was good. And you went on the train, of course, just in case yeah. some cynics are listening, thinking, hang on, have you been flying that private helicopter to Austin? Yeah, and it wasn't coal-fired either. Come on. Which is great. Which, as we established, we're both big fans of, uh, of train travel because it's mm. probably, I think, the most comfortable and sensible way to travel in many respects. Yeah, it was a real adventure. You know, it took, um, <laughs> took four days. Uh, I stopped halfway, you know, overnight in Frankfurt and then stopped on the way back somewhere else. Just took in a few different cities, made a journey of it, you know. It was a bit of an adventure, a lot of fun. Yeah. And, um, well, done it now, so I can move on Fantastic. and do some other things. Uh, we've got a lot of other things to talk about here, including Greenpeace, who are making accusations about the Treasury. Yeah, indeed. This is a result of a freedom of information request. 
by an, an organization called DSmog. And what they unearthed is that the Treasury gave a briefing to a minister in which they claimed that Greenpeace had made statements supporting Drax's well, habit of burning trees to make electricity. Greenpeace was slightly horrified by that and have said they've done no such thing. And what they have been quoted as saying has been taken out of context, that, that classic one, really. But I'm surprised anyway that Greenpeace... In their statement, they said in some limited circumstances, they, they supported, uh, you know, burning trees to make power. And I'm thinking, well, why have you even got that in there, guys? You know, which are these limited circumstances? And the article doesn't say what they are. So That's rather annoying, isn't it? And you, you do wonder. I know that, you know, you know sometimes organizations like Greenpeace, they're global, they're well-known. Maybe they're trying to, you know, sometimes wear two hats so they don't seem to be extreme. I don't, you know, so they, they can argue that, well, we understand, but we just don't endorse or something like that, maybe. No, I think you might be right there. And the uh, the nugget in the story actually was that Drax have received nearly six billion in subsidies in the last decade, and they look set to get another thirty billion in the future, which is just incredible sums of money. And they're destroying virgin forests in Canada, shipping the stuff over here, claiming zero carbon emissions in the process. Oh, that's a classic, isn't it? Zero yeah. carbon emissions. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's right. They they claim the carbon emissions happen in Canada. <laughs> you see, but they, we've, now, we've just got to a station where people just say this shit, don't they, and just hope nobody notices. Yep, NL shit. I mean, you can't. You can't. <laughs> we are practicing. We're very environmentally considerate in what we do, as me old nan would have said. That's bollocks. <laughs> she probably Start to finish. Would. High octane. BS. It is just BS. And, and you know, one guy that uh, spoke out against what Drax do, uh, quite improbably, is uh, Kwesi Kwarteng. Uh, he said it was not sustainable. I mean, was, if only his economic policy had been, we might have 40 billion more money in the bank. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But he didn't get it all wrong. He got it right about Drax. I was going to say, yeah. So he's, he gets himself a sort of a house point. He's, he's back on the leaderboard, but, but <laughs> not by it. very much, yeah. it well. seems. Um Let's talk about Bill Gates. Uh, B- Bill Gates comes up in the news an awful lot because, you know, some people think Bill Gates is the Antichrist. Yeah, it's just another one of them wacky conspiracy things online, isn't it? You know? Yeah, because he's, you know, because he's very, very rich and he's got so much money and he decided to do. And frankly, I think what he's done is what nearly everybody would do if you had that much money, that you would kind of turn that into a sort of global benevolence and try and say, look, I don't really, I never, ever will need any more. So, you know, this is what I'm going to do. But of course, once you get into vaccinations, the tinfoil hat merchants pitch up and start to get very, very itchy about this. So they decide that Bill is actually part of the Illuminati and he wants very bad things to happen to the world. Yeah, indeed. He's already done that with Microsoft, right? I mean, Jesus. Well, I was going to say, yeah, this is a man that that, that invented Microsoft computers. Yeah. So. Uh, Windows, I mean, I'm Does, talking about it. Windows is a nightmare. Yes, Windows. It doesn't get a free pass from me either on that point. <laughs> uh, but he's back to an Aussie startup targeting cow burps. Yeah, lovely story. I mean... Does this really... What is needed? Well, no, it isn't, is it? You know, I mean, how can you, how can you describe it? I mean, we, we have to stop farming cows, right? There, there are 80 billion animals a year on this planet raised and slaughtered for food, and a whole bunch of them are cows. And, uh, they, you know, they're the second biggest driver of uh, climate emissions on the planet. In New Zealand, they're the biggest, uh, by the way. And New Zealand are going to start taxing uh, cow or animal farmed, farmed animal burps and urine for the methane that's in them. Um, which is a kind of uh, tangent to the story. But, uh, you know, the, these creatures, these poor creatures produce methane, they can't help. But the big startup idea is feed them with something 
derived from seaweed. So they burp less. Well, I say big whoop because they still consume vast amounts of uh, water, even if this idea works. And, yeah. and, you know, farming is just fundamentally unsustainable. So I think they're completely on the wrong path trying to dress up animal farming, you know, in this way, just to reduce burps. How do you, ta- how do you tax a burp? <laughs> I have no idea. I got a feeling that they would have an average number of emissions per cow per year and tax it on that basis. I don't think they're out there measuring them. You can't put a meter on a cow burp. I mean, that is the job for the work experience, isn't it? Right. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's sort of left-handed screwdriver territory. You've got to go, go, go into that field, young Jacob, and measure the burps. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, but as you rightly so, it kind of massively misses the overarching point. This is the point, yeah. That, you know, that you can't fix animal agriculture. You've got to stop it. But what I, I love is what New Zealand are doing. It's a world first, proposing a tax basically on the methane emissions of farmed animals. And, uh, you know, it's got to be part of the answer. Part of how we transition away from doing that is to make it properly more expensive. It should pay for its own pollution. When it does that, it becomes more expensive. Less people want to eat it. And we can start to see the decline of this industry. Yeah. Um, I saw this headline as well, which I know you've clocked as well. Exotic green comet, not seen since the Stone Age, has returned. And I was trying to work out, is, is there anything, I mean, is that a good thing it's come back or is it up there in the same way that we used to brag that we could see hedgehogs and now we don't see hedgehogs? It's actually a good thing that we don't see them uh, because it means that their habitat is doing the right thing. And um, With comets, if you see comets you're not meant to see, is that good or bad? I don't know about this hedgehog thing. I'm thinking if you don't see them, maybe there aren't any around. But anyway. Well, no, apparently the reason we used to see them, this could be a load of old bullshit. I don't know. The reason we used to see them is because, you know, we were doing bad things with hedges and stuff. And you're not meant, you know, when you're a kid, you kind of have that vague memory of coming home from school. And once in a while in a gutter would be a a little hedgehog having a mooch. Mm, Yeah, yeah. You think, wow, it's a hedgehog. You don't see that anymore. Yeah, you don't. But I think it's because we don't have so many hedgehogs, right? Because we haven't got suddenly more hedges. That ain't happened. Well, that's that's a good point as well. We must have fewer hedges. Yeah, I reckon this is somebody's crap excuse for the decline in hedgehogs, right? Oh, we can't see them because they're happy somewhere. You're right. Where of the hedge? Oh. It's a very good point. We're on a tangent here, and it's one I quite, I'm quite enjoying, frankly. The, 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 so the hedgehogs are either nice and safe and increasing in numbers and doing exactly what they're meant to do as little prickly hedgehog things, um, or they're as a species they're, mm. they're, they're dwindling because we have fewer hedges. And, and we've talked before about insects, haven't we? How we don't get them on, on the, the windscreens wind of our cars anymore. Is that because they're all happily tucked up in a hedge? I don't think so. Maybe they're living with the hedgehogs. Or be, being eaten by them, but I don't think so. I'm going to have to investigate specifically hedgehogs now. Yeah, I think this is some BS smokescreen for hedgehog decline. But look, coming back to the comet, uh, it orbits our sun once every 50,000 years. There is no environment linked to this story. I simply loved it because it's a green comet. And you know, I can imagine 50,000 years ago, if cavemen saw that I, well i can't imagine what they thought uh, but uh, i haven't managed to see it myself I, i've had a bit of a look at but not seen it. i just love the story right it was last seen by our uh, cave dwelling distant ancestors uh, how amazing strange when you think of it like that is it when you start to wrap your head around that kind of time lapse between them and us and you think where has this thing been all that time? Something <laughs> floating around somewhere else, doing other stuff. It's in a it's in a huge orbit of the sun. It takes fifty thousand years, or I even mean, one of its years is fifty thousand of our years. As simple as to that. get back. That's extraordinary. Um, it is a nice story. Here's a question from Ben on LinkedIn: What do you make of the idea of paying me to sit in the dark? Is this a real energy solution? 
or a headline. Uh, <laughs> well, this was referenced, you know, don't use your power between, I don't know, was it six and seven or something? Uh, whenever the peak is, right, on any given day. But I mean, the, the average general peak is between like five and seven. But I mean, yeah. it is a headline right, right there, getting paid to sit in the dark. But behind it, there is an actual plan. To, it's part of the smart grid, essentially, it's using smart meters and other tech. You know, it's going to be possible in, in increasing numbers to get people to drop demand in the, in the energy peaks so that we don't have to bring in expensive standby generation because we, we need less energy. It's not about sitting in the dark. That's a bit of an exaggeration, kind of right-wing tabloid style, probably. It's about not using your, your appliances, you know, your dishwashers, your washing yeah, machines, yeah. your toasters, your kettles especially, right, in, in that little gap. You can do an awful lot of good in terms of energy reduction without sitting in the dark. I also think some of the headlines were a bit disingenuous in the sense that, you know, the, the energy company will pay you not to use it. And I think some people thought, oh, I'm going to get like 30 quid a week from the electricity business. <laughs> yeah. The reading doesn't work like that, no, does it? No, it does not. <laughs> oh, and actually, this links to Drax, right? Our good friend Drax. This week, they were fined £6 million by Ofgem for manipulating energy prices in exactly these same moments when the grid is constrained in terms of demand, either has too much or too little power on the grid. Drax were manipulating the price, got f- caught out and have paid a six million fine i mean that bad people right how did we forget to mention that when we were talking about drax I, it was my bad that's all right no i'm just intrigued they're the, 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 the company that keep on giving that's for sure. <laughs> they are, <aren't> they? <laughs> i think they've got all the hedgehoggers as well <laughs> I think uh, maybe they burned them Shit. drax killed all the hedgehogs there you go that's a, clearly a litigious thing to say but it's so ridiculous they will never sue us <laughs> and they don't listen to this podcast anyway well not that we know of well that's They're true. all seeing, Dale. <laughs> like Bill Gates. That, a bit like Bill Gates. Mike on Facebook says, where's the hovercraft, Dale? Uh-huh. And did the camper van get finished? Oh, good questions, Mike. Two questions in one there. I like it, Mike. Thank you. That was a one-two. So the hovercraft, we had problems with the motor, which overheated, even though we were working it within its uh, design limits. Uh, it overheated and demagnetized, so we've got another one, um, and we're just changing the approach a little bit. We should be testing on the 13th of February. That's what I last heard, an actual flying test. Uh, we'll take some cameras, and, we, and we'll see how it goes. So thank God for that. And the camper van, I uh, should be going there in around about the same time, actually, sometime around the middle of February for a test drive. It has been done, and, uh, and I'm looking forward to it. Well, that's going to be amazing, isn't it? Would you ever diversify into transportation as a business? No. Well, we, we've been involved in transport businesses before. After we built the Nemesis, we, we built the Electric Highway, a uh, national network of charging points for cars, and we got out of that last year because we needed to f- – to really hand it over to somebody that had more money and could focus on it completely because it's a full-time job, almost a life's work to build that network. And it would be the same if you tried to start a car company, a camper van company or something like that, just such a really big job. What I prefer to do is start something off, uh, you know, create an idea, build something that demonstrates it and then pass it on to somebody else. Yeah, because I mean, you, you are showcasing the capability and possibility of something by doing this, and then others can come along and say, "All oh, right, so that can be done. Let's now we can pursue it because we're the people that can." That's right, and I hope to do that with Green Gas next. That goes live 
oh, in about a month's time. And um, and something else we've just started, with, which links to our next story, is we've we've just started a research project to get uh, protein and other nutrients out of grass for human consumption. Yeah, well, on that point, here's the headline: Beans in toast. UK <laughs> should switch to broad bean bread. Say researchers, Britain yeah. should switch to bread made with broad beans uh, because it would be more sustainable and easily deliver key nutrients. Um, the, the, the worry with anything like this is, will it taste of shit? <laughs> you don't like you don't like beans on toast, then. I love beans on toast, but I don't know if I want beans in toast. Yeah, and you know, it's a little bit of a misdirecting headline or way to describe it because it's not like you've got tomato sauce and beans inside bread here. I mean, these are these are green beans, and uh, you know, turned into flour to make bread. It won't be anything like beans in toast, which is a toasted bean sandwich, right? What, right, yeah. So it's not going to look like a fruit cake with like bits, bits <laughs> of like raisin in the middle. You'll see no. bits of broad bean it's the it's within the flour is that right that's right and they make a serious point that uh, the lack of nutrients in wheat flour is quite incredible and here's some scary statistics 96 percent of britons eat bread which is why they targeted bread to try and upgrade it but this one's really scary 90 percent of that bread is white sliced white shite sliced white shite. do you avoid white bread yeah, I do. I mean, you know, it's, it's almost nutrient free. So what they're doing is a really smart thing. Target the most consumed food stuff uh, in our country and try to upgrade its nutrient content using beans that we can grow here in this country. So it's a nice idea. Yeah. Let's mix the next story with the next question. Um, really, because Helen on Twitter says, has it been a stressful week, Dale? How do you deal with it? Now, I'm not sure whether Helen's referring to your four day Bino to Austria to be with Arnie, or whether she's talking about what today was a huge day for Forest Green Rovers because she signed a head coach. Yeah, I wasn't sure about the question either because, uh, you know, the head coach thing has been going on a couple of days, not a week. And I did get back from Austria uh, late last week. So technically that falls into the last seven days, but uh, I'm not sure. But anyway, who cares? Um, I would say it's been hectic, uh, not really stressful. At times, last 48 hours have been a mixture of hectic and stressful because out of nowhere, we got the chance to sign uh, Big Dunk, Duncan Ferguson, most recently of Everton fame. He came down yesterday. We got on like a house on fire. We did a deal. He came back today uh, and sat in front of a whole bunch of media at Forest Green uh, to talk it through. He's at our training ground now, uh, you know, working with our staff and our players, getting ready for the game on Saturday. I mean, it's just firstly a whirlwind recruitment uh, process, speed, of course. Uh, and secondly, just the maddest of opportunities. You know that that uh, you know somebody like Duncan Ferguson wanted to come to Forest Green to be our new head coach. Yeah, and just talk us through the reasons from your perspective. Why Ferguson? Well, look, he's uh, he's been a coach at Everton in the Premier League for something like 10 years. He's, he's worked there in the academy as well, bringing through young players, uh, which is, I think, a really vital skill. He's led them a couple of times as interim manager when they've sacked somebody. He's done really well. I like the way he comes across pitch side and in interviews. We got on so well yesterday. It just looked like... Well, it's, it's an incredible opportunity, the kind of thing that you wouldn't dream of. Uh, but for us, it's, it's actually happening. And from his point of view, he wants his first job uh, as a uh, head coach in a club rather than assistant. And um, he likes us. He likes what we stand for. He likes what we do, our ambition. And well, yeah, we just hit it off. So we're a team now. And uh, first job is get us out of the drop zone and then get back on the track to the championship. Indeed. He can do that. Paddy on Twitter, though, says, what happens when your new manager whips out a sirloin steak? <laughs> is that okay? Yeah, I'd imagine that Big Dunk is probably not 
uh, a vegan or a vegetarian yet yeah, yet is a good thing, right? Because he got asked this question. We had Sky, BBC, and ITV up there today, and they all asked about the food. Have you have you eaten like uh, vegan food before? And he's like, "Well, I don't think so." I pointed out to him that chips were vegan in the interview. He's like, "Oh, okay, you know." So he has eaten <laughs> vegan food. <laughs> it's not such a big deal. And then we wheeled out some burgers. He loved the look of them. We didn't eat them on camera, but look, he's the thing about him is he's really he's really open for this. We had a good conversation about the stuff we're doing. He's like, "I'd love to learn more about this." In the interview yesterday, he said, "Presumably, I'll be." getting an electric car <laughs> we're like oh yeah that's happening and uh, I, I like to say sometimes uh, where the people are joining the club or joining ecotricity you don't have to be green to join us but by the time you leave you probably will be yeah i like that and that's going to be an interesting one to watch what a, i mean stunning signing uh, on your part dale i mean congratulations on that oh, incredible just incredible i'm you know i'm still pinching myself um and a final one from will on facebook two things can you edit truss out of the pod uh, intro now, please. She drives me mad. Oh, yeah, she's still on the intro, isn't she? Yeah, she probably is, isn't she? But, you know, I like a bit of nuttiness. Yeah, well, there is something, there's a bit of a constant reminder in hearing her voice that, you know, however bad you think it is, it could have been this. <laughs> it, could have been, it could have been like that. It could have been right? like that. Um, and Will also says, have you seen the Bank of Dave guy? Uh, you should open a green bank in Stroud. I'd bank on Dale. Yeah, nice, nice, uh, nice slogan at the end there too. We've considered opening a bank before, but uh, you know you, we usually run into the same problem: just bandwidth. We've got a lot of projects going on, and it didn't look like a space where we could really bring a lot of change, uh, yeah. you know, in, in sustainability terms. Whereas on some of these other fronts, like food from grass, gas from grass, uh, electric trains, we're still investigating that. You know, they could they could make some bigger changes. You could bring back checkbooks. <laughs> yeah that's a lovely idea right and oh look, i know while we're at it let's bring back the pound oh no we've still got it i mean the um what color passports did we long for when we left the eu let's bring them back and, and the imperial system yeah, yeah well, let's, let's have it all we, we, we now have a, a passport that is 29 times less valuable than the previous one <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And seriously, the people like Reese Mogg were talking about bringing back the imperial system, a WTF. I mean, what is the deal with that? What? What is the? What? Are, who are these cretins? I mean, it's just a, why is it? What? What's the the kind of thing of going there? I mean, what? Why would you even? You know, let's do. Even Thatcher didn't argue for that, for God's sake. <laughs> no, it's nostalgia on steroids, isn't it? They think that that plays to a certain audience. Let's bring back the great things about Britain. You know, fuck's sake, they weren't great things actually. Let's leave them where they are. Yeah, fair point. And that is it for this episode. Have a cracking week, Dale. We'll speak next week. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Ian. See you then. Don't forget, of course, to follow this podcast from your podcast provider. That way you get each new episode automatically. Leave a review there as well. Really important bit. Urge everybody listening right now to do this. Follow Dale on social media, twitter.com slash Vince, facebook.com slash Vince, and, of course, on Insta and TikTok too. Zero. Carbon. East off.